on the shoulders of dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games. Hello and welcome to On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and the gamers who game them. My name is Eran Aviram. I am Uri Lifshitz. Hello. And today is one day after the final day of Hanukkah. And when this episode goes up, it will be Christmas. And more importantly, the moment we are recording in Uri, um, the Steam Winter Sale just begun. All of which Ooh. are important events. And very important. Yes, recurring holidays, anniversaries, celebrations, and such, uh, which is a big part of any interesting living campaign world. And we should address this with this episode. Really? The, the Steam sale is, is not... Maybe we sh- Can we record tomorrow? <laughs> A recurring event is something that the players can learn about, can use it in some way, or can be influenced by it, that makes a place, a location that they already know, different for today. <laughs> Different for this session, for this adventure, different in some way, making people, society, act differently for, for now. How is this difference going to affect the player really depends on what is going on. But something will be different. What is now permitted? What is now expected of everyone? And how is the place changed not only... Socially, but also physically. Are there now, like, for example, parades through the streets? Are there now lights everywhere because it's Christmas or Do whatever? everyone wear masks? For example. Or dress up? Obviously, they will uh, always wear masks. Are there people dressed up like demons roaming the streets and other people dressed up like the sun god, chasing them awesome. with sticks and lanterns? Awesome. <laughs> So let us discuss events. Uh, we'll be talking a bit about how to create them and then how to use them. Because why, why would you create an event and then not use it, Uri? What's the point? Well, it's a great exercise if you want to have spare events in case there's a session and you don't know what's happening. So you can rummage through your events folder and say, ha <laughs> it's the sun god birthday. Everybody are naked throughout the street. No, no, no. You said, you said people are dressed as... Let's keep it, let, let's keep it civil. They are dressed as demons. That's, that's better. Of course. And people who are dressed like the sun god are running through the street and waving sticks and lanterns. Yes. Saying, I'm the sun god. Yes. You have to run away now. But not naked. That's, that's the important bit. Let us begin. How to create events quickly? Well, anything can become an event if you specialize it and say, this is different than usual. For example, the players are going to a ball or whatever, or a dinner somewhere. If you take the, the rule that both Uri and I really like, um, specific bits generic, you can just say, okay, this is not just any dinner. This is the prince's birthday today. So today, everyone throughout the kingdom got some money from the king to buy a cake and everyone will have cakes and will call for the princess uh, in the prince's name and will drink a lot and stuff like that. Or this is not just any ball. It's a celebration of a victory from 100 years ago over the enemies. And so everyone will be very formal, patriotic uh, announcement coming along because everyone is already so patriotic. So the king can now say, yes, and so we'll go through to another war now. And everyone will be saying, yay, war is amazing. 
war. <laughs> so e- XP. XP, exactly. So everything can become a recurring event. The thing is, as a GM, you should probably just have a list of interesting types of recurring events. So here are some, some things that we've gathered. For example, the Queen's official holiday. I don't know if you know it, Uri, but I'm in the UK. Well, that you know. But our Queen has an official birthday. She has her birthday, but that's not when you celebrate it. You celebrate it mm. on the official day. So I don't, I'm not sure why, but we'll give a link to um, the Wikipedia article about it. It's amazing. Uh, throughout the Commonwealth, w- w- well, technically, everyone in the Commonwealth is subject to the Queen. So everyone celebrates the Queen's birthday and they do it on the same day, more or less. Another thing that people celebrate, of course, is big historical events. And as we said before, it can be like a triumph over whatever. And there have been triumphs before, (laughs) Uh, triumphs by the Romans. The Romans actually had a thing called a Roman triumph. And again, I'll I'll put a link to the in the show notes uh, after every victory and to celebrate victories from years past, etc. But not everything is awesome and amazing. Another thing that you might want to commemorate each year is tax day, because it's a thing. It happens. It happens every year. uh, The king's taxmen go throughout the villages and gather the taxes and tax day is coming. And (laughs) XP, XP, XP. (laughs) And maybe on tax day, you, everyone is required to be in the village square coming from all of the farms or whatever. Uh, because everyone needs to be there and present the money for the taxman because he won't be coming around to your farm. You will come to his carriage. As a general rule, I find that it's easier for me if there is a, a town or a village with a really big structure in the middle of it, mm. whatever that structure may be, there should be an event yes. related to that big structure. Agreed. S- something is happening there right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's it's really easy because whatever that structure is, someone built it. So this could be the anniversary, the 500 years ever since the creation of the cathedral yes. or the completion of the cathedral yes. or the first mass in the cathedral exactly. or that time that saint died in the cathedral. Exactly, which of course brings us to religious days. There are mm. a lot of religious days. Well, Jews have a lot of uh, religious holidays. Uh, I, we have like seven different holidays throughout the years. It's it's insane. Um, but most... It's not that much. It's a lot. It's a lot more than other religions, generally speaking. And and they're all different. It's not like the same thing over and over. All, all of them are, are different and have their things. And I would recommend people that you read about them because I think they're quite interesting and, and quite old. But there are all sorts of religious days, like what you just said, celebrating the first mass in this cathedral or the day that that saint died and obviously got lifted up to heaven bodily or something i don't know um or even just the day that that saint healed the um mother of the king i don't know someone important in this important place etc etc a lot of remarkable things and remarkable deaths can also be of other important people, not necessarily religious, like the death of an important philosopher or, or Shakespeare, someone who is a great poet that influenced our culture in such a way that we commemorate their death. 
maybe in small ways. It doesn't have to be the entire day. Maybe only in the evening we gather around in, of course, the village uh, uh, building, as you said before, the main hall. And then we all sing songs of Shakespeare. Shakespeare didn't have songs. He had poems. But never mind. Maybe we sing <laughs> a fantasy Shakespeare song, whatever. Whatever. And remember, just a, a quick uh, reminder. Fantasy world have active gods in them. Yes. Gods who materialize. If there is a, a special celebration in order of the god, the god might take part. Why not? Well, probably not, not by themselves, but they might have an emissary. Or, or an maybe emissary special or powers or whatever. Some sort of, yeah, special power and influence over the world. Uh, imagine in the olden days, the, the Feast of Bacchus in ancient Greek. Uh, people are drinking wine and having orgies and whatever, but Ooh, in a fantasy setting, people also have uh, twice as potent illusion spells, for example, or mind-affecting spells. And that's just too good, too good a bonus to pass by, I'm, sa- I'm just saying. It's also quite possible that the god um, gives you special spells that you can only cast during, for example, the holiday or uh, special rituals. Now we cross over to, to the realm of specialized rituals, which we will discuss later in, on. In, yes, yes. We'll talk a bit about what you can do in your adventure with it. But yes, uh, the, the fact that um, the holiday isn't just a thing that we celebrate socially but has some metaphysical impact on the world there is actually a god that thinks that this day is actually holy is is important among <laughs> it's funny because you said there is a god who thinks this day is holy no uh, there is a god who made this, this day, day holy. holy yes yes with we think that's that's very true uh now the cause and effect can also be reversed because of this reason for example in laflafland or whatever we must celebrate midwinter eve because if we won't celebrate it, winter will not pass, will not be over. We will still have winter. I mean, in our world, we celebrate whatever, I mean, even Christmas, a- any sort of solstice holiday to note that it's the middle of winter or stuff like that. But winter will actually end whether we want it or not. In a fantasy world, it can be the other way around. And what we do can certainly influence nature. There's an excellent gaming system called Ars Magica. Yes. Uh, if, if you know it, then hooray for you. Uh, in which basically you play the world in medieval times as people actually thought the world yes. it works. Yes. The setting is called Mythic Europe. Yep. People believe that diseases are caused by either imbalances in the fluids of the body or by little demons and fairies who get into your body and and defiles it. So, which means that actually, that's exactly how it works. Yes, that's what actually happens. Yep, you need to actually do the process to do the event, the celebration, the healing ritual in order to get rid of those. And that's something to keep in mind, that in a fantasy setting, like you said, things happen for different reasons than in the real world. Yes, magical thinking is important and useful when you sit down. And if you don't know what magical thinking is, search for it. It's it's a term. Search for it and see. In our world, it's, it's it's a sort of a fallacy. In fantasy worlds, it's really useful to create an interesting world. Uh, also, the world of Warhammer works very much in the same way as Mythic Europe. Uh, it's, it's so bizarre and awesome. 
So here's a short list of things that you should maybe consider that most, I, I would say, all cultures probably celebrate. First, the main events in nature's yearly cycle that affects them, especially the most basic ones, such as harvesting food, solstice, the, the shortest day of the year. And of course, it can also be supernatural weather, like for example, with the article that I've written, three types of supernatural weathers. Uh, one of them, for example, is a season called the Long Shadows, which is a small season. It's, it's not as as big as the rest of them. It's the fifth season. It's somewhere uh, between, let's say, spring and summer. It doesn't really matter. Um, and maybe during Long Shadows, we have a celebration every Sunday or whatever. It doesn't matter. Or maybe only when it begins to commemorate the fact that we lived to survive last year's uh, Long Shadows and we want to survive this one again or whatever. Um, nature affects you, obviously. But society affects you as well. And the sort of thing that every culture would celebrate is change in government. Uh, mm. or, or, or not a change in government, simply the government. Having the king for another year is something that you celebrate. I don't know if celebrate, but required to celebrate by, <laughs> by the king. Yes. It's a required uh, spontaneous celebration. Exactly. But can, it can also be like having the tribes meet to choose the yearly leader. I mean, if all the tribes meet once per year during the whatever of whatever in the place of whatever, and they, they choose the leader, it's, it's a cause of celebration and trading and how have you been and stuff like that, etc. Et Again, remember, all these things can scale. It's the meeting of the tribes. If it's in a big city, it's the meeting of the guild excellent, leaders. Excellent, excellent, yes. Etc. Always make sure that you can scale the event bigger or smaller, and it helps a lot with reusing the same basic concept in a different setting, in a different scale. Now, let's discuss a bit how to celebrate, because I think... With wine! <laughs> okay, okay. Well, maybe, maybe the problem is with the title, how to celebrate... <laughs> Uh, but it's not exactly it. It's more like how to commemorate because you don't celebrate, for example, Yom Kippur, which is, I'm not sure how you say it in English, but it's Yom Kippur, like, the day of fasting. The day of fasting. It's the day in which you fast. Redemption? It's, day of redemption. Um, it's, it's the, the, I don't want to say saddest, but it's sort of the saddest day in the Jewish calendar. And it's a day in which you need to... Day of atonement. Atonement, yes, in which you atone and need to fast throughout the entire thing, etc. You don't celebrate it. You commemorate yep. the fact yep. that it is this day. And it is the same with other things. Like, like, for example, maybe there's a holiday in which you need to take a pilgrimage somewhere. It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but everyone is required to take a pilgrimage to, um, the, the oh, let's say, the main city, the, the capital of the kingdom during this day. Or any holy location. One think about Islam and pilgrimage to Mecca, but one also think of uh, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Hmm. which are basically a whole story about a pilgrimage, 12 people on the journey. Um, other types of celebration or commemoration are, of course, um, feasting, having a large feast, having a family gathering, having a village gathering, having some sort of formal celebration. Or, or it, again, it doesn't have to be exactly a celebration. Uh, what you said about the guilds before reminded me that there can be, for example, the yearly day in which the guildmasters arrive at the village to choose an apprentice. And everyone, of course, regard the masters as, as masters, 
with mm-hmm. all the dignity that it required. And perhaps it's a very solemn time. Um, even the children are maybe other, other told to be quiet and look and learn as the masters move around and maybe bring a few of their fabulous masterpieces for people to see because they won't, they won't leave these masterpieces here or stuff like that. It's sort of like a traveling museum, if you'd like, mm. uh, to show off, of course. And it might be a very dignified day. And if you want to have a twist in your event, then try to turn it around and then try to rationalize why that is. For example, in the game Broken Age, it's a video game, it's a quest. I would not highly recommend it, but it's not that bad. It starts with a celebration of ritualistic sacrifice of girls to a giant monster. But, oh, usual. but it's, it's a celebration. The girls are dressed in these sort of dresses that are like giant cakes and their families are very happy and everything is very colorful and there's happy music and everything because being taken by the monster is a great honor. It's a huge, I mean, the, the girl that will be chosen, there are three girls, the girl that will be chosen and taken away um, will bring so much honor to her family and because everyone will be so happy because the monster will be away for 10 years and will not disturb them and will not destroy everyone. So it's a big thing, and it's, it's considered a good event, a lucky day, which is so weird. Uh, I don't know. Uh, ten years without monster visits, it's, <laughs> it's a happy occasion. <laughs> Let us now take everything we said and try to make it relevant to your party and your player characters and your adventure, etc. Yep. So what, what are PC-related events? Well, of course, you have PC. You have your player characters. And you can go about it in many different ways how to ground those player characters into the setting using events. Mm. Well, one of the things that I really like to do with events is to celebrate the PCs when the locals decide on a holiday honoring the party. And it becomes a new recurring holiday. Or maybe the the party did something on a holiday and now the locals change the meaning of the holiday or the trappings of the holiday to include the party. And it's a huge reward for the players. I mean, it's the players now think, wow, we've influenced the world so much and it's so much Mm -hmm. fun. And if you want an excellent example of this, uh, watch Janestown, an episode of Firefly in which Jane, who is a, a player character, for, for all intents and purposes, um, created a holiday without meaning <laughs> to do so. But then a few years later, when he came there, it, it's, a, it's a holiday with, with its own traditions. And of course, Jane is regarded as a huge hero. And the whole episode revolves around this fact. And it's an awesome episode at that, how events influence the world around in unrelated and unintentional fun ways Uh, one of the things that i like to do i love to connect the player's birthday with the character's birthday Mm. it's not a big event but it's a small uh, yearly event it doesn't always make sense inside the game because you can have you know a dungeon crawl that takes place one during one game day but span like a month of real-time gaming so it 
suddenly another character would have a birthday in the same day. <laughs> but it's so much fun because it gives you a chance to do something special with your character. It gives you a chance, if you're in a city, to buy a cake. Maybe the other player characters are buying your character a cake. It gives you a chance to make it specific. And of course, you have a player character. That player character has a backstory. Mm. Well, that's the thing, I think. When when you ask your um, players to write backstories, or when they do some of the steps, everyone should just remember the existence of recurring yearly events, because it's the sort of thing that people don't think about until it comes. Like, throughout the year, I don't think about Hanukkah. Okay, or Christmas or whatever. I only start to think about it when when we are like two months before it or something like that. And when you r- sit down to write of your characters live, you don't tend to remember the existence of such events. You only think about, uh, did my father love me? I, I don't know <laughs> how you write a backstory. No, that that's a lie. Um, <laughs> another thing that you should maybe want to consider is when you give your players the ability, the power to create cultures, again, remind them to create holidays and such as part of these cultures. And why would you ever want to give your players the ability to create entire cultures? Well, there's a whole article I've written about it, about creating cultures collectively, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, and we won't be discussing this here. It's just so important because there's no such a thing as a culture that doesn't have yearly recurring events celebrating or commemorating something probably a few dozen things actually indeed and we've mentioned religion before but hey is one of the characters in the party religious is it when when is the day that that character celebrate that character's deity and what it stands for maybe one of the characters is from that specific kingdom when is that specific kingdom Independence Day? Mm. They don't have one? Oh, so when is their, I don't know, uh, Oppression Day? Yes, being when conquered they were day. conquered. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, always, you can always find events and holidays that relate to the characters. And I discover that the more you use that technique, the more you ground the characters in the setting around them. Yes. And it really helps both the character and the player to feel belong to the world around them. Well, everyone cares about something, and whatever it is you care about, there's a holiday that relates to it. If you are religious, that's obvious. If you are patriotic, that's obvious. What if you are super loner-type sort of ranger elf? Well, as a ranger, you might think that solstice is a holy day, not for religious reasons, just because it reminds you of your connection with nature. Or maybe if you're elvish, then you think about your birthday, which is super important to elves culturally or whatever. Yep, and if you're a heartless rogue who cares about nothing, Mm. then there's the dark moon that comes by every year. And also tax day. Which is an also important day, day yeah. because <laughs> it's it's a big day in the in the guilds in the thieves guild, you know. Yep. It's 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 an important day. Either they are all running away during this day, or they are all using the fact that there are a lot of carriages running around uh, with lots of money on it to to try and I don't know perform all sorts of amazing haste. Maybe it's the day in which every guild thieves guild try to pull the best haste that they can or something like that. 
and everyone is waiting to that day. Oh, wow, I want to play this. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about playing. How can a holiday connect to an adventure? That's a great question. Oh, Alan. thank you. And I can think of two main ways. The first one is simply as a background. You know, there's an event, there's the king's uh, birthday, there's Queen's Day, there's uh, the celebration of the undying love of Pelor, the sun, to all of us, blah, 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 blah. Now, let's use the characteristic of that specific holiday to add flavor and color and interest to whatever it is the plot we're doing. Now, the, the easiest way to explain this is this. Imagine a, a TV show, a mm. police procedural. Mm. There's two detectives, they're investigating a murder. As simple as that. Now, take that exact same episode and think, how would that episode be different if the crime occurred during Christmas mm. and the investigation happened during Christmas? It's, it's a different show. Now, what would happen if this same crime, same plot, take place during Halloween with all the witnesses are the same witnesses, but they're all wearing funny masks and all <laughs> the morbid, macabre, dead bodies are dressed up like cartoon characters. It, it now, can also be a simple thing such as during a chase, you can't rush through the um, rural neighborhood because it's filled with children and you can just drive through the streets like crazy like you would any other night. Exactly, and consider other more exotic holidays. Uh, we mentioned Yom Kippur, where, uh, maybe Ramadan, where people fast all day and suddenly uh, finding a dead body clunching a, a loaf of bread is, is a major plot twist. Now, Think of all these examples, the same basic plot. Each one of these episodes will be very special, very interesting, and very different from the other because of that special trapping of that holiday, because of whatever happens during that holiday. So that is how you would use a recurring event as a background to whatever is already happening, which is excellent for atmosphere and for world building, etc. But you can also use a holiday as your main motivation. Someone is exploiting the holiday to do something. Maybe it's the king's birthday. So he'll be going through the streets and waving at everyone. And that's a chance for someone to try and assassinate him. Or maybe there's a dark ritual happening today because it's the day of the blood moon and necromancy is more potent during this night or, or whatever. In these kinds of adventures, of course, the event is the adventure in some way. Finally, Recurrent events can help with foreshadowing other things. But we've discussed this on episode three, Random Encounters, in which we talked a lot about foreshadowing. Just think about how you can use a holiday not as the main adventure and not have the adventure during the holiday, but as something that is happening as a prologue to an adventure to set the scene in a way. I mean, maybe it's the king's birthday and nothing much happens during king's birthday. You just celebrate it during the first scene of the game and then continue into doing something else. But there's some foreshadowing in the fact that it's about the king or maybe because it's his birthday or something that is important in the way you celebrate it that later on becomes relevant during whatever adventure you are playing. Indeed, in simple terms, a special holiday or event can be a great exposition, 
for the past which relate to the current to the present or the current story it can be something to set the tone mm. and it could be something to enhance a theme or a motif that you want to work on if there if your specific adventure is gonna be about uh, scheming behind the throne <gasps> and getting rid assassinating the king <gasps> and all that starting off with a celebration of the monarchy is an excellent way to emphasize the theme of your game. Exactly. And if, for example, you show how the monarchy is an amazing thing and how helpful the king is or how good uh, the, the institution of, of the crown itself is uh, for the entire kingdom and or how people love it, then you already, in a way, tell the players what to think about it. Even even if it's not true, even if everything that I've just said is not actually true, but that's how it is presented during that first scene, and that set the scene for everything that happens later. Either if you actually play to it, or if you subvert it, it, it doesn't matter, it's for your, it, it's a tool, that's the point. Finally, Uri, let's talk a bit about the real world. The real world, or the most interesting part about that, how can we create a bleed out? Mm from the game world outside into the real world. Basically, what we suggest here is why not to spice up the gaming table with the holiday trapping. Now, if you run a session set in Halloween, even though it's just a regular Monday, why not place a few spider webs in the room or other trappings of holiday, a gourd uh, or come within costume or... Any a specific dish that you like for this specific holiday, even if it's a specific fantasy settings mm. where the ingredients are not available, like <laughs> ah, this is the holiday of Pelor. Everybody eats sun cakes, yes, made from actual sunlight. <laughs> you know why not bake? You know simple cookies with uh, a, a, a smiling sun logo on that. Um, Cookies always work, by the way. That's like a <laughs> magic thing. I remember once when we played in Eberon, which is a well-established world, and one of our players, uh, Yoav, which we talked about before uh, because he's a very interesting player, made some food for us. Um, I don't think it was for a special occasion, but we did just visit it for the first time, I think, uh, one of the... Um, Lens, which has its own special flavor, and he said he, he created all of the food that he not exactly baked. I don't know what he did. I don't know how you create food, how, how you make actual <laughs> food, but everything was spiced in specific ways. Let, let me refresh your memory. Now, in Eberon, some of the kingdoms are very uh, distinctly based on countries and culture from our world, and we just moved from a country based on France to a country mm. based on Germany. Yes. In different periods in history. And basically what he did, he created several dishes describing this, the countries around the place where we were with specific national dishes from those countries. So we started off with something very French, I don't remember what it is, and moved to something very German, which was a um, simulated uh, sauerkraut, sauerkraut and I sausages. remember the sauerkraut, yes. <laughs> I remember the sausages because Yoav was vegetarian yes. and he created something which looked and felt like sausages, even though it wasn't. It was some kind of tofu magic. Yes. I don't know. No, he's a magician. Actually, he's also <laughs> actually an invoker, but never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yes. It's back to our point. It's fun 
to give your character a reason to enjoy a holiday, mm. maybe give your players a chance to enjoy that holiday which happens inside the gaming world. And it can lead to so many wonderful things. From the simplest... I remember years ago we had a session and there was a, a mask ball, which is a typical trope for pretty much every fantasy setting. There's At a certain point there will be a mask ball. Yeah. And our characters had to go to a haberdashery just to buy some clothes that would fit the event and it was like a whole session a whole gaming session hardcore D&D 4th edition spent on being fashion forward yes and buying costumes that would bring out the inner nature of the characters and at the same time would also mask their identities from potential enemies. I remember I played a, a draw rogue? Yes. And he dressed up as a scorpion. And it took like hours to design how that should look and feel, but it felt great because that holiday had meaning to us as part of the adventure. It wasn't just a, a random shopping spree of uh, a Project One Way. <laughs> Excellent. I, th I think we've covered the topic of recurring yearly events from basically every angle possible, or at least that we could uh, figure out. If you guys have anything else you want to say, you're more than welcome to do so. You can send us an email at show at dwarfcast.net, or of course, just leave whatever remark you have, whatever advice or thought that crosses your mind in our comment section in the website, which is, yes, yes, dwarfcast.net amazing but true uh, indeed and of course you can also email us find us on facebook or twitter and if you created an awesome holiday in your campaign we want to know about it it is now time to take the load off Ah, taking the load off. This is the part of the show in which we talk a bit about our own daily recurring event. No, about our week, our previous week, our coming week, relating, of course, to role-playing games. Uh, Uri, how about you begin? Well, I spent the last week finishing up an article about how I run introduction to role-playing games. It is ridiculously long. Yes, it is. Uh, indeed, but it is available on our website at uh, dwarfcast.net under content. Feel free. We also have a link in the show notes. I, I love running introduction sessions because I think it's one of those things that keep the magic alive for me mm. to see that spark of light in people's eyes when they really get into their character when, when or they, have a new when idea. When they understand what's going on, that's yeah. what, that they can actually try anything and that you will reply. I, I still remember, let me think, 2002. That was, what, 15 years ago. I ran an introduction game to a group of friends. Uh, it was during my military service. And I remember that moment because they were walking down uh, a dungeon and suddenly one of them said, stop. And everyone stopped and looked at him. And he had this weird look in his eyes. And then he said, I think the fighter should go in front. And someone should be in the back in case they ambush us. 
<laughs> and and I I, I you didn't were so understand happy. What, this is like the obvious <laughs> thing ever. And, and then I remember this is these yes. guys are playing for the first time ever. This is so and amazing. the other pe- the other people in the group they look at them and they they you know they take a moment to think about it and then yeah that that's a good idea. Yeah, and we should have the spellcasters in the middle because because they're like the most vulnerable. And and that was like, I could literally see the the light bulb lights up. Wonderful moment. So if if you want to read how I run introduction game with twenty years of experience in doing just that, feel free to read that. And if you have comments, feel free to email me. Yes, uh, I I run introductory games a bit differently, but I don't. Uh, I don't have the time to write that article right now. I've written a different article because I do so every Thursday for up to four players. Um, something relating to this week's page and this week's page was very simple because there's an NPC that gives a sort of basically exposition throughout the entire page. It's just an NPC giving a lot of information and that can be very boring. So I've written a whole article about why I think that info dumps should be, and info dump is, is when you dump information, and should be almost always, if you can, be done by NPCs and not like, for example, by the GM, but through an NPC and not through books and not through, I, I will explain why in the article, I'll give a link, and also what, what other types of things you can do with this interaction and why. And everything is in the article, so I won't go into details here. One last thing, I will remind you that Venture Forth, my storytelling game, card-based, is now available through drive-through cards, and that you guys have a discount uh, because because it's you because because it's you guys, uh, three dollars less, which is twelve dollars then instead of fifteen. That's how it works. That's that's math. Excellent. And if you want to take this that discount, simply use the link in the show notes. Exactly. Uh thank you by the way for everyone that have already used the discount and people that bought and didn't use these discounts, so they probably aren't listeners of us. So they won't know that I'm thanking them. But I thank you everyone. Uh I've already sold a dozen copies. Woohoo in a weekend and uh, two days. And that's 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 more than I thought I will. So thank you everyone. And if you are interested, show notes, etc., etc., etc. I think that's it. Indeed. Indeed. So, later on. Later on. On the shoulder of dwarves is shared under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Form. The intro and outro are taken from Silly Fun by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3. Find us at dwarfcast.net and follow us on Twitter or Facebook.